Greetings, everyone. I am excited to have Jeremy Toman, founder and CEO at AugX Labs, on the show today. Jeremy, welcome. Thanks. Great to be here. Great to have you here. Let's dive right in. Tell us a little bit about your SaaS background. Sure. So I've actually been building consumer internet products since there's been consumer internet. Uh, I've had a few different startups along the way that are in some form of a, of a SaaS capacity. One was a startup called Nudgemail, which is actually still up and running as a, on the side. It's, uh, it's a snooze your email as a service feature. And the idea is, let's say you have too many emails in your inbox uh, and there's something from me. It's called follow up with Jeremy. You, oh, you have to send me the Q3 marketing report or whatever. Mm -hmm. You can forward that to Monday at nudgemail.com and delete it from your inbox or to kind of clean it up. And then on Monday, it shows up back in your inbox. And so we, we were, we've been calling it like snooze, snooze your email as a service. Um, mm -hmm. So that was one of them. Prior to that, I had another startup called Legacy Locker. And Legacy Locker was basically like an online will for your online identity. So uh, this was now about 10 years ago. But in today's world, imagine things like uh, if you're trading crypto, who has your passwords? Mm -hmm. And what happens if? you, you know, I, I used to use the phrase, if you get hit by a bus, uh, I don't mean to be morbid, but when mm -hmm. I was doing that kind of a startup, we talked about death a lot. Uh, but the idea there was, again, make sure somebody can get your digital legacy, whether that's silly stuff like, uh, like TikTok videos, uh, or really important stuff like banking information, uh, online transactions, NFTs, whatever is important to you. So that, that was the one before that. Uh, most of the rest of the products I've done have been either uh, hardware products where you actually purchase directly or other types of online services where maybe it's a uh, free for use uh, for advertising or for data or things like that. So I've tried to span uh, different different aspects of technologies across, and business models across my career. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Definitely a long history there. So tell us a little bit about what AugX Labs uh, does. Well, we built what we call an AI-assisted visual storytelling service. And what, that might not mean everything to everybody. So let me explain it for a mm -hmm. second. Is So we believe that the very premise of making video, even the one we're recording here, has purpose, right? So if we think about the panacea of video for a moment, and like at one end, you've got like funny cat videos, and at the other end, you have Marvel movies, Everything in between is purpose-driven video, right? The video is there to uh, get a subscriber, to sell a product or a good or a service, to engage an audience, to follow a brand, to sign up a newsletter, whatever whatever the goal of the person making the video is, right? Even on our homepage, we have a video. So that video on our homepage is to get people to come try out our products. So video has purpose. And the challenge though is making videos, especially ones with business purpose, uh, it's time consuming, it's costly, and if you don't have the skills, the learning curve is immense, right? And so when we need a video, we generally will go hire a professional to come do it for us. You know, the average cost of just a basic 30-second commercial shoot is eight to $15,000. Uh. We're trying to fundamentally shift that and change the economics of video creation so that anybody in the business of making the video or using video can do so faster and easier than they could before. And so what our technology does is it uses a combination of artificial intelligence and other core application logic so that you can upload to us a script from text, a spoken word audio, such as a narration or a podcast, 
or even another video such as a webinar or a demo, we then listen to that content, we automatically transcribe it and using AI, and then we match the transcription with scenes is what we call them. So if you think about making a TV show or movie, you have shots, right? So each shot comprises the overall scene of the video. And so in each shot, we basically identify from the words you said, what were the key words? So if I said, it's great to be here today, maybe it's the word today, or maybe great to be here, whichever one our algorithm determines, it will then automatically find visuals to match those words. So if I said, great to be here today, maybe I see someone you know, stretching, getting out of bed or, or something like that. We have used uh, stock photography from Unsplash and Getty. We also use open internet content like Giphy and Bing. And we also are using what's called generative or AI art, where uh, if you've been following companies like Stable Diffusion, Midjourney, or Dali2, where we'll actually create an image to match the shot bespoke for you in real time. And so then we assemble all of those together and basically give you a very simple drag and drop tool that if you don't like the visuals we picked, you can just hit shuffle, get some new ones. You can upload things manually, let's say from your hard drive, your phone, or your company's marketing folder, wherever they might come. And you can continue to iterate till you like what you see. The interesting thing is we have cut down the overall production time by literally hours of work. So for us, you know, the video on our homepage, if you want a good, anyone listening to this wants a good sample, if you go to our homepage, the video there, which is about a minute long, all in including recording the narration took less than 10 minutes to put together. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing is we're able to test that in real time and start tweaking and changing out the visuals that are appearing if it's not hitting our goals. So it's really basically not just the video creation, but actually understanding the nuance and the goals of that video to make it do its job, basically. So I know that was a that was a mouthful of things there, but I want to give give you a moment with that. Yeah, no, appreciate that that description because you showed me a little demo before this, and you know, for example, if I was you know a brand promoting my product and I said, hey, I've got PayPal and Amazon and whoever as customers, it would show a PayPal logo up on the screen, then an Amazon logo, for example. So is that the power of AI and your core logic that it can? you know, decipher all this text and figure out what image images to show as you, you know, kind of speak through the, your, your text or audio. That's right. And if we were being really cheeky and meta about it, we could use what we're recording right now, put it through our system. And so that when you actually did just say Amazon a moment ago, Amazon would have been on screen as it would probably be right at this moment. Yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> So it, it's kind of fun because if you will go off and do it, your audience will have actually known the answer to it before you even ask that question. Mm -hmm. Are we traveling through time? What's going on here? Yeah, right. And so I could see a lot of application, a lot of uses for this. So who who's your ICP, like you know, ideal customer profile? Who are you targeting? Is it you know businesses, influencers, creators? You know, where are you trying to to land your initial customers? So great question. Our customers are, we're basically looking at marketers because uh -huh. if I were to say one glib answer, which, which it sort of is, it, it misses some of the nuance in the sense that in some companies, the marketing person makes the videos. In some companies, the marketing person 
hires the company to make videos. In some cases, nobody makes the videos. So we're really going to be targeting the people who are really in charge of the message. So whoever it might be that actually wrote the script, that could be the person at your agency, that could be the person internal to your company, that could be some the, the founder, that could be a jack of all trades. There's a lot of different people who might end up in that role. Uh, but basically, if, if you're the person at your company who's responsible for or approving scripts for any kind of promotional material, we now give you a tool where one click later, in addition to having cool copy, now you have cool video to go with it. Okay, interesting. So initially trying to land those marketers as customers or whoever, like you said, whoever's in charge of that script, that message uh, to land those guys. Now, when was Augex uh, founded? We started the company in January of 2022. Uh, mm -hmm. My co-founder, my first co-founder and I were actually working together at Warner Media prior to this, uh, where he was one of the more senior AI video architects for the company, and I was running product innovation. Mm -hmm. My other co-founder and I actually had a podcast together and have worked together in the industry before, and he comes out of kind of the ad tech uh, product-led side of things. So as a, as a team, uh, we, we really have a pretty strong understanding of the space. And our very first go-to go market, actually, as we are launching the company, which we're basically in the midst of, mm -hmm. is actually podcasters. Because okay. one of the things we realized, I mean, the actual the story of this startup comes from my podcast that I did with JT in that we, we uh, wanted to make a video preview. I kept reading article after article on the importance of video and podcasting, right? And I think the stat I saw was 40% of podcast listens happen on visual platforms now, mm -hmm. including YouTube, the number one place to find new subscribers is TikTok. And so I decided, all right, I'm going to make some preview videos, tried learning how to use promote Adobe Premiere Pro. And it's a phenomenal tool, but I just didn't have the capacity for learning it from scratch. Maybe if I had a tutor or something, I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, you know, it's a tool for the pros. I don't, I don't expect to have access to that kind of tech, right? It's the same as me just deciding I want to build the next gen iPhone myself, right? Like it's, that's hard that there's reason we have experts, right? Well, I, I wanted to be able to create the video myself. And so that, that sort of sent us on this journey of exploration around the limits of AI content recognition, et cetera. And, and that's how we are here. Okay. Interesting. So founded January, 2022. So recent, very recent. And you've got two other co-founders, it sounds like. Uh, and then uh, where are you guys located? Are you virtual? Or are you located in one certain geographic location? We're virtual. Uh, okay. We are almost we are almost entirely North America. I have our first hire actually uh, is based in Bangalore. I found him through my the Carnegie Mellon Alumni Network, and the rest of our hires are in. We got North and South Carolina, we got Colorado, we got Georgia, we've got California, mm -hmm. we've got Illinois. We're yeah. a very virtual company to the point of in October, we got together for the first time and we called it our on-site instead of our off-site. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, the first on-site. Uh, that's great. And then with you met different states, different locations. So how, what's your team size right now? As of right now, we're nine full-time and three contractors. Okay. Uh, and we look in 2023, we're going to be expanding that well into uh, it, it probably double this year, we assume. Okay. Okay, great. So double. So nine full-time, three contractors, maybe doubling that next year into 2023. 
And then I know it's early on, just founded January 2022, but anything you want to give us for the sense of scale of your company, ARR, you know, are you making revenue? Is it still pre-revenue? Where, where are you right now? We're pre-revenue. Uh, we are in the midst of testing price points. So the way we're looking at that is we'll have a freemium model. Uh, the free tier will include watermarking. So it'll basically in exchange for the service, you help spread the word about the product. Uh, and there'll be a time limit to as much how much content you can create for free. Mm -hmm. uh, but we also want to really embrace things like nonprofits and the education industry um, and really hope hopefully enable those who might not even be able to uh, afford a simple monthly fee to, to get in. Then we'll have a basic tier, uh, kind of the, the prosumer side of things. So that's your individual creator, maybe a podcaster or a YouTuber, someone like that. Uh, and then we'll have an enterprise set of tiers as well, where you might need multi seats, you might need, you might have to have a chain of approval process. So depending on on what's the right fit for the company is which model it'll fall into. Okay, all right. So pre revenue right now testing maybe three pricing tiers, uh, which is really interesting, and we know that always evolves over time. And then, you know, this is really interesting. So pre revenue, you know, founded recently. And looking at marketers, creators, podcasters as those early customers or adopters. And how are you finding these guys? What's your early go-to-market motion? Is it your network? Is it your friends? How are you finding the, the initial traction? Well, our very starting point started with us building, uh, bringing on a community manager and starting to develop out a community of podcasters and content creators. So now we're fairly active on Discord, LinkedIn, and for now, Twitter. We'll see. We'll see what the, what where Twitter goes over the next little while. Uh, but we're basically doing direct engagement, reaching out to people individually, uh, looking for networks of podcasters, producing compelling content, recurring content, and engaging them in a real one-on-one -on -one fashion to start getting a lot of product feedback, understanding key price points, understanding key needs. We're going to be a very product-led growth kind of company. So as our mm -hmm. users tell us what they need, we'll build more and more of that functionality for it. Uh, the interesting thing that's happened to us along the way is we announced our funding in October, just our pre-seed funding, mm -hmm. and we didn't really announce the product. We said that's coming soon. We've already got hundreds of people on our beta application list because I think, I think in general, people really are getting the vision of what we're trying to do here, right? If I say to virtually anybody is creating video, you know, how would, how would you go about creating video or any kind of question like that? It's usually like, please don't make me, right? We we see a lot of pundits in the podcast space uh, who are pushing back right now on the need for video and podcast. And, and if you really look under the hood, the biggest reason for that pushback is it's too time consuming. Uh -huh. So we're sitting here like, yeah, it sure is. So come try us out. Maybe we can help. And, and that's been sort of the mission of the company is how do we bring, bring back more sort of joy into the creative part of the process, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Creativity shouldn't be laborious. Creativity should be fun and rewarding and engaging and maybe challenging, but not, not to the point where you feel like that dreadful pit in your stomach mm -hmm. every time you open a certain software application. Yeah. So we want to help uh, content creators do the things that they love doing and spend less time doing stuff they don't. Makes a lot of sense. So hundreds signed up for the beta application. And then, so you just raised a, a pre-seed $1 million. Is that total capital raised to date at this point? It is. We okay. also have earned some revenue off a, a variety of technologies we built. So there was a little revenue generation, but it's not 
core to mm-hmm. the video creation product. So just for transparency. Okay. So, okay. Uh, yeah. So 1 million raised and early on, right? Pre-revenue. So you got to go sell your story. So any, you know, lessons or tips or tricks for other founders, you know, uh, listening right now, you know, kind of in that sta- same stage where you, you know, we're trying to raise no revenue yet, you know, maybe some beta signups. So anything you learned through that process? Sure. Learned a lot. First one is don't fundraise when there's a, a war happening and the uh, post there's a pandemic sort of ending and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, our timing was not great. I'll be really candid as I started my initial plan for fundraising last December and between December and when I actually started the fundraise in late January, the world had changed so much that it basically, all, I almost had to start over. So my first actual learning learning lesson piece of advice is I would, the next time around, I would have everything fully ready to go such to the point of if someone says yes on that call, they can I can send them the DocuSign that minute and get their signature on it that minute while they're still in that right mindset. And granted, we've always been pretty close, but I would, it, it, you know, ever since then, that's been the approach is the moment mm-hmm. I get the, yeah, we're, we're in or the funds in or whoever's in, it goes instantly into the paperwork because that little gap I had in those first like 60 days was a real, it ended up basically I had to start over. So, so there'd be one. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't mean that from the perspective of looking out for a pandemic. I mean, more yep. from have everything yeah. ready to go. I should have had my deal room ready in moment one. I should have my signs ready moment one. And so that's how I would do that next time. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing I've learned along the way is to ask and learn as much upfront about what investors are looking for as I can so that I can steer the conversation in the right direction. Because when I was raising my pre-seed round, I was also engaging with firms that I knew we were too early for, but I wanted to get on their radar. I wanted to start building the dialogue and building the relationship because your investors are going to be with you for a long time. And I really want investors who are going to add value to my style of running a company, right? Everybody's different. And so I need people smarter than me to tell me what I'm doing wrong. But also, I know my own personality type. I don't want to be in a boardroom and have a bunch of people yelling at me for something. I want the people who are going to give me constructive feedback. And and don't get me wrong, I'll hold my feet to the fire if I'm messing up. I mean, I got a job Mm -hmm. to do. But at the same time, are are really uh, constructive and uplifting in, in their approach, right? Other people, you know, it's like going to the gym and getting a trainer. Someone wants to be like, get down and give me 40, you know, and someone else wants to hear, come on, man, you're 38. You can do it. Get to 39, right? That kind of thing. So I know me and I want to find myself, surround myself with the people who will push me in the way that will get the most results out of me and my team. Uh, So what I would say my, you know, long-witted, but the, the, the shorter version is, Start engaging with people, even if the the timing seems too early, because you never know where those conversations will take you. I've had, as a result, introductions from seed and even series A stage VCs who like what we're doing, but then want to introduce us to people at at our stage. So I had seed stage VCs introduce me to pre-seed VCs they knew because they want to fund us at the right time, but we weren't at the right time for them. So you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of, I look at it like it's a very um, square peg in a square hole mm-hmm. kind of industry. So the more I know, oh, that, that looks like it's going to be a rectangle. Rectangles go over here. Oh, that's an octagon. I put that one over here. 
Uh, and, and it's been really helpful because now that I'm actually out with my next fundraise, uh, I know the people to talk to. They've already heard me before. So I'm coming back to them with a more evolved version of the story, et cetera. And I think the last thing I'd advise is really understand your own KPIs. Like there, you, while, while investors might have their own kind of mindset, what I have learned from talking with them is they really want to know yours, right? So for what we're doing, daily active use is probably not going to be a key metric for us, right? There's only so many people that make videos every day, right? Like let's say you were to become the most loyal user of ours ever. You're only making one video per episode you record, or maybe you're making two or something like that. So we have to define our metrics based on concurrent use, uh, uh, continued use, video uplift, churn, and a few other things. So what I would advise any other founder on is know your things and make sure your investors or potential investors know them also, because it really shows that you're thinking more deeply about your own problem. And, and I've gotten tremendous positive feedback from that. That's great advice. And, and one dilemma that founders face is bootstrap or raise. And so you've raised the pre-seed round. And, and what were your thoughts around that or philosophy that said, well, I don't want to go the bootstrap route. I think I'll, I'll raise money to, to uh, drive the business forward. A great question. I think it's very situationally dependent. What mm -hmm. we are building, we knew, you know, there's sometimes where it's like me, myself and one programmer, we can build a whole product and bring it to market and see what happens, right? Those are the right times to bootstrap because it's sort of the you, the phrase, you eat what you kill, right? Whatever, if I have an idea, oh, maybe we'll try some Google AdWords. I just go do it and see what happens and, and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But if the product I'm building, which in this case is, needs a lot more technology, right? We're, we're a team of nine right now and we're, you know, we're still moving slower than I thought we would be. Not, not because it's actually the best team I've ever assembled. There's just a lot to build. So when you're in that situation, it's much, much harder to bootstrap because by the time, you know, think about it, we're, we're only getting into real production shipping level in early 2023 here. So, you know, if I had to do a past year where everybody's bootstrapping, we wouldn't have anything to show for it. Mm -hmm. So that, that would be my thought there is it's, you know, if I could get something live and then iterate in public, I will always choose that path. I think it's the best okay. way to do things. But if what you're doing is multi-layered and complex technology, it's usually not not achievable to do it that way. Yeah, that's great advice. And, and that's really interesting uh, because yeah, some of the FinTech founders I talk to where it's like, hey, we've got tons of energy engineers on staff. It just takes a lot of development build to get that product out the door versus like you said, hey, yeah, if I can just get V1.0 out there and just iterate along the way, yeah, maybe I can just bootstrap myself. So yeah, I really appreciate that distinction. So as we wrap up here, what's next and, and exciting for the company? Well, getting the product in front of people and getting them really using it and learning from them and getting their feedback. You know, I, I'm, I'm a consummate product person. I've spent almost 30 years building stuff. I love getting product into people's hands. There's nothing that's more exciting than that. So a lot of the first half of the year is expanding the market, getting into new verticals and showing what we're doing and seeing where it takes off the most, right? Maybe... We're the tool of choice for podcasters, but nonprofits, for example, don't find it very useful. So, okay, great. What do we learn from that? How do we build and expand? Uh, a lot of the other things we'll be doing in this year is in, in integrating other uh, generative AI technologies. So today, for example, you can upload a script and we'll use generative AI voices to render the script. What we'd like to be able to do is let you start with even less, start with a simple prompt of, 
I need a 30 second commercial about such and such a product, you know, uh, uh, Gillette razor blades targeting men under the age of 30 for Facebook, hypothetically, and having it auto-generate multiple scripts that you can test against, auto-generate multiple narrations, et cetera. So that's where we're going down, down later in the year is just automating more and more of the steps so that marketers or even people who don't have marketers, like founders who, who aspire to be marketers, can have some self, self-serve tools that can really make a difference on the bottom line. Yeah, that's great. It just seems like so many applications for your product. Uh, so Jeremy, really appreciate your time today sharing your story, what Augex uh, does. And if, if listeners want to learn more about your company, where can they find you online? Very easy. Just head on over to www.augexlabs.com. You can find us also on the socials and uh, LinkedIn. And uh, just don't show up at my house. <laughs> Love it. So if you'd like to learn more about Jeremy and his company, check out AUG, A-U-G-X-L-A-B-S.com to learn more. And Jeremy, really appreciate you sharing your story today. Thanks. Thanks for the great questions. And I hope I hope people find it useful. We're just trying to make things a lot more fun for folks. So thank you.